Blog Talk Radio. has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. 
Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. Glad you could make it this uh, Monday afternoon. We've got the Chicken Doctor, Peter Browns, uh, has joined us in the uh, uh, caller queue. So I will be going over to the switchboard here in just a second and bringing him on. But we thank you very much for uh, tuning in uh, today. Looking out towards the week, I know we have a show this coming uh, Thursday that would be with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae. We will have uh, no shows next week because people will be traveling for Christmas holiday and we want you to spend time with your family and friends and enjoy each other's company. So, uh, And uh, if you're like maybe uh, a lot of families that I know, you'll be stuffing the turkey with uh, Prozac to make sure you have a nice family gathering. No. Um, <laughs> I saw that on Facebook the other day. So uh, I had to share it. But, um, yeah, enjoy next week with uh, your family. We'll be doing the same. And uh, uh, and then that means that, well, let me look at the calendar here. Does that mean uh, we may sneak in a show on the 29th? Uh, we'll just have to see what the schedule brings and what our guests are doing and if they're traveling and if they're available. So, But um, nonetheless, well, we hope you have a, a great week this week. We thank you for joining us. And a great show. It's Q&A today. We've got a few questions on our Facebook page that we're going to be uh, trying to answer today. And uh, we will open the phone lines as well. Uh, if you'd like to call in and ask your question, we will welcome that. And you'll go to the head of the line at 347-637-3237. That's 347 
37 is the number to call in. You can go ahead and call in and get in caller queue. And don't be afraid. Don't worry about your radio show voice or any of that kind of nonsense. We're all friends here. We're all chicken lovers. We want to do the best we can for our flock, and that's why we're here. So let's get on over to the uh, switchboard, and uh, let's give uh, Peter applause, a good round of a chicken whisper welcome applause for joining us today. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us, my friend. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing fairly well, I guess, and uh, hanging in there and uh, one one day at a time. So but I hope you're doing well. Glad, thank you for uh, for joining us. So we'll go ahead and get started. We don't have it; may not be that long of a show unless we have some callers. We didn't have too many people. Facebook algorithms were being uh, pretty tight. Now, I made a few posts uh, earlier in the week that um, roughly, uh, I think one post of over a hundred thousand people actually saw it. But depending on what time of day it is and what their algorithms are doing and and what you post, sometimes they uh, pull the reins on you. In fact, in 2015, uh, there's been a lot of articles out, USA Today, the New York Times, and all over the techno websites that are out there, Yahoo Tech and things, where uh, if you do run a small business and you utilize Facebook uh, to promote, then you've got a big surprise coming in 2015 because they are really, really going to pull on the reins and because and they want their money. Uh, they want, you know, Facebook is, yes, technically free, but if you have a small business and you utilize Facebook to promote it, um, then um, they, cause they want your money to pay for ads and pay for clicks and things like that. So uh, I just, you know, that's one reason why I'm very, very glad that I'm not just a silly Facebook page because um, you got the magazine and the book and the tour and, and the podcast and, and the whole gamut. If I was just a Facebook page and a blog and, you know, just just uh, it's nuts out there, and they're they're really you know pulling the reins back and, and trying to play Big Brother. And even though someone likes your page, uh, so uh, yeah, Facebook has gotten to be just just a, another tool in the PR um, uh, toolbox. And uh, when I did a, a an NPR interview when I was on my last tour, uh, I got with them about three different times, recorded uh, lots of information for like a ten minute interview, and every chance I had. Uh, I bashed Facebook because I was like, eh, of course, you know. Well, it was really more about running, you know, doing the business and startup and things, and how, how far uh, we've come over the last six years. And every chance I had, I don't know if it's going to make it on here, but every chance I bashed Facebook about being, you know, Big Brother and being controlling and you know, uh, controlling what people see and then we like my page and how it's become. You know, at one time it was a very good, useful tool to utilize, and now it's just become. There's one more thing in the toolbox that, that I can utilize, but it's nothing special. There's nothing that's uh, out of this world because of their control tactics. So I don't know if any of that Facebook bashing will get on there or not, but it is what it is. So I'm going to get over there right now and um, see. Uh, we can start it off with some of the questions. And like I said, we'll just go until they're done, and when they're done, they're done. And we'll go enjoy and enjoy our day. So let me scroll down just a little bit. I want to remind everybody that um, Brincy Products, B-R-I-N-S-E-A, Brincy.com, B-R-I-N-S-E-A, um, they're having a sweepstakes, <clears throat> kind of like the 12 days of Christmas. And uh, it started on the 12th, and it will run through the 23rd. Um, you can uh, go to their website and, and uh, I guess, enter. And then every single day, between now and December 23rd, every day they're giving away a $30 gift card um, to some lucky winner. So that's pretty cool. And you can apply that to 
the incubator of your choice, I guess, there, or egg candler, or whatever you may have that uh, they need, or they need that you have, rather. Okay, let's go ahead and get started here, uh, Peter. And um, this comes to us from Erin. She posted on our Facebook page. I've gone through my first heavy molt with four out of eight chickens this year. Three of four seem to be feathered back in, but their faces, combs, and wattles are still very pale, salmon-colored instead of bright red. I've tried to encourage regular eating of layer pellets and high-protein treats, um, but worry that they've been really dragged down by the molt. And uh, after how long should I be concerned about their pale looks? They're energetic and seem normal, uh, but they haven't started laying again, however. So she's just concerned about her birds after them going through this hard molt. Well, uh, um, I don't know um, what people consider a hard molt. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, if birds are in, in relatively good condition, um, you know, going through a molt uh, generally is not a big deal. If it's a bird's first molt, eh, it can be a little draggy, a little slow, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but the whole idea of the molt in the first place is to rest the body and put on new feathers uh, and, and the like. So uh, generally, lo- looking at, at, at the issue, um, we associate um, the facial condition uh, and the color of the facial tissue, the wattles, the comb, and such, the legs, uh, with uh, gut issues, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody goes back and, and looks at the old ads of Frank Perdue, uh, he was always touting the fact that a yellow chicken was a healthy chicken. And the reason for that is that, um, uh, that that's a quasi-yes and no answer, okay, uh, Technically, if the bird's healthy all the way around, especially the gut, then the extra exantrophil that they were putting in for the bird to deposit into the skin um, through the use back then they used the marigold petals, if everyone remembers. Um, so he was the one that started that stuff, you know, from uh, with a, a yellow chicken as a healthy chicken. And uh, one of the reasons for that is that if the gut is in good shape and the and the bird is in overall good health, uh, no respiratory issues and so on. They end up with, uh, you know, real good color. Um, as a matter of fact, years back I, I wrote an article, uh, and it was called "Looking for Color." And um, one of the ways that uh, you could assure uh, birds to uh, to get color back then it was a big controversial thing. I thought it was funny. actually absolutely funny. Uh, was it just two or three years ago? I think it was a big flap about roxasone and three nitro and. Uh, and the like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, you know, I've been using it since the '40s, and now here we are in 2000s, and you're worried about it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that would certainly bring color back into them. It had a unique uh, impact uh, on the gut tissue uh, and enhanced ab- absorption. So my my feeling here is that uh, I would uh, probably get a hold of some Ampril, run that through them one time, just uh, make sure that there is nothing. Uh, going on there as far as coccidia are concerned, and I would uh, definitely worm the birds, uh, and uh, I would look at the overall gut health. What do the droppings look like? You know, lots of times uh, uh, people get these birds, uh, 
body out of balance by overfeeding treats. You already heard her say uh, higher protein treats and this and that and the other thing, all the things that they don't need uh, and that they're going to home in on just like children do with cookies and sweets. So uh, she may look at <clears throat> at uh, backing off on whatever high protein treats and stuff that she might have been giving and just go with her regular uh, uh, layer feed and, and be done with it for a while. But uh, you need to take a look at the droppings. A probiotic may be in order. Um, you know, the, the evidence is overwhelming these days uh, about the uh, uh, benefits of probiotics. We've talked at the death on, on this show on many times this year. Um, and, and it is a, a, a valuable tool in the toolbox, uh, very worthy of, of, of uh, talking it to death, so to speak. Um, it's one of my favorite subjects because uh, we know both on, on the human side and the animal side, whether it be chickens, pigs, or whatever, that a good, uh, healthy gut uh, lends itself to a, a good, healthy immune system. And <clears throat> if we look at at this in chickens, the largest immune organ in a chicken's body is the intestinal tract, okay? So that should tell you something, you know, right there with uh, over 60%, close to 70% of the bird's immune cells uh, of all different descriptions uh, residing within that intestinal tract that just makes sense to keep them uh, healthy, keep a good, healthy gut. So I would probably look at, at that um, um, as far as a hard molt is concerned, um, some birds will molt slow, slower than others. Uh, uh, some birds will lose a lot of feathers and, and very slow putting them back on. Um, that can be encouraged by, by giving good, uh, uh, clean, uh, good feed and uh, um, probably doing away with some of the treats, though. I think I would back off of that. If you're looking to put a little more color in them, uh, maybe some more greens and stuff like that would, would help uh, as well. But uh, I do question the treats as as I always do because I see it time in time out. Um, you know where the birds get uh, scratch grain more than they get anything else. Not that they don't put out the other feed for them; is that they home in on on the scratch grains and the other stuff, and they pick and choose what they want to eat. And then when it comes time to eat the food that's complete for them, uh, the the, uh, the complete layer uh, feed, uh, they don't eat near, near as much, and they start having nutritional problems. So those are some of the places I would look. Uh, I would, you know, do the coccidia, I would do the worming, and I would cut out the treats, and I would increase, uh, um, you know, if you want to give them things as a treat, give them greens and, and that kind of stuff, uh, and a good, whole, uh, complete feed, and see where it goes. If she still has problems, she can get a hold of me, or come back on the show and ask. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good, and it's chicken dr at firststatethatsupply.com. I have a follow-up to that one. Um Ed Williamson, I know him personally, great guy. He runs the Mobile Bay um, Backyard uh, Chicken Club down in Mobile. I've met him several times. I've had supper mm-hmm. with him several times. Um, his, he, has, he even says it's a similar question as the one I just asked. Um, her um, says uh, his hen's combs also began turning a pale grayish color, uh, laying, then stopped. And then here's something different than the first question we'll, we'll, we'll cover. Uh, and a few weeks later, he got fowl pox that appeared. Um, uh, his hens are well kept. I can verify to that, and very well cared for. Um, any idea, maybe, of what happened, and how uh, how can I manage this situation? So again, okay. um, Ed can go. Ed can kind of uh, listen to the, what you said about the treatment and the issue earlier, because all we had was really the discolored combs. Um, and uh, but now he's got a foul pox issue. 
um, and wanting to know, don't you know, let it run that course, a vaccination, any type of treatment. Uh, once it runs a course, maybe he'll see some uh, color come back into their combs. Well, let's see you, Doc. Yeah, see, the, the um, and, and here we go again. Um, um, and what I mean by that is that when we look at this situation, uh, we saw, um, or he saw, a uh, uh, loss of color in the comb, which indicate, mm-hmm. is an indicator of, of health. And then I believe he said a couple of weeks later, which is right around incubation time, 10 days, two weeks, give or take a little mm-hmm. bit, um, and, he, and he had falpox. So uh, it was an indication that something was wrong. We just didn't know what. Um, as far as managing the situation now, um, it would depend on how many birds. Uh, it would depend on um, how well he can control the mosquito population because that's where it came from, okay? Um, birds... Uh, Sometimes even on the yard, the birds will get, you know, be running around and get what we call a peck fight with each other, either through the wire. You got males uh, with another male, and and they start beating each other up a little bit, and um, it has a tendency to draw the mosquitoes to it, um, to the blood, and um, they come in, get their blood meal, leave the virus behind, uh, and then it starts all over the place, and then mosquitoes jump from one bird to another while they're there. Uh, so limiting uh, the exposure to mosquitoes now how do you do that when you're open air birds outside nothing screened you know um do you sit there with a little machine gun and shoot them down no uh you know elimination of of all of the obvious places that mosquitoes want to be and that is in the tall grass the tall damp grass in the morning uh in the evenings uh uh small uh brackish uh ponds and and holes that are filled with uh, brackish water uh, after a rain, um, all of these things, little swampy areas and, and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I know it's hard to control things that, that you know, uh, contain water almost on a natural, everyday basis, uh, old buckets, old tires, any place where a mosquito is going to hang out. Uh, um, sometimes in, in, at this time of the year, uh, in a lot of areas, especially warmer places, the flowers have died off. The flower is still in the pot half dead or all dead, but in the bottom of the flower pot it's filled with rainwater that's been sitting in there for the last two weeks. It's brackish. It's it's just perfect for mosquitoes to go in there and, and, uh, and uh, lay their eggs and, and, and start the cycle all over again. So <clears throat> that's one way you can protect yourself uh, with that. Um, uh, maybe getting some garlic oil and putting it on the heads of the birds because the, uh, the mosquitoes don't like the garlic, so the garlic smell could help you uh, as far as that's concerned. As far as your premise is concerned, um, I like the Mosquito Barrier product. Uh, we use it here um, on our little places as well, and uh, you can buy that uh, from the company directly. They're out of California. Just Google it online, uh, and you can... Uh, uh, get it in a quart or a a gallon container, <clears throat> and I believe a quart does about an acre and a quarter, uh, with a gallon doing five acres, I believe, something along those lines. Mix it with water, put it in a pump-up garden sprayer. <clears throat> Probably the best time to spray it is in the evening, uh, because you don't want it to bake in the day in the in the hot sun. Uh, you have your whole yard smell like a pizza joint. But uh, spraying that around, uh, it's all natural. won't have any detrimental effects on fish that you might have in a fish pond. And you're not going to do the whole pond anyway. You're going to do the uh, brackish areas that might be around the pond uh, and places like that. Uh, and uh, this will help to uh, kill off the, uh, uh, the larva from the uh, mosquitoes and cut down on the population as far as that's concerned. Now, 
as far as dealing with the situation, um, iodine applied directly to the scabs uh, once a day. Uh, just get a Q-tip, dip it in the iodine, hold it up to the scab, let it reasonably absorb some, and go on to the next bird uh, that has a problem and, and do the same thing. I would change the, uh, the applicator between each bird. Their uh, Q-tips are cheap and uh, easy to do. Um, the other thing you could do is if, it, if this disease can nickel dime you to death. Uh, two or three birds here, two or three birds over there, next week one over there, two weeks later one over there. If that is the scenario and that is happening, then you might consider, depending on how many birds are still not showing symptoms, you might consider vaccinating for foul pox. And the way I recommend to do this, there are two different foul pox vaccines. Uh, one for day of age administration, which is a tissue culture vaccine, which is extremely mild, and the one for older birds, usually above five to six weeks of age. Uh, it's a chick embryo, and it is much, much stronger. The problem we have here is that <clears throat> birds would be developing this disease possibly, and you can't see it. Uh, to try to gain some, some control of this, uh, I would take the uh, tissue culture, day of age vaccination, and vaccinate all birds not showing symptoms and um, do it as a one-time vaccination and come back in three to four months and then vaccinate everybody with the chick embryo vaccine. And that's the way we gain control of it. Sometimes it can get ugly. You know, you'll give the uh, even the young bird uh, vaccine and you'll still get some more birds that were developing the uh, disease, but you couldn't see it. And now you got a few more but you should be able to stop it before it gets rolling on everybody. And, uh, and I would base that on how many birds I had, how many have already been through it, uh, uh, the amount of time that I have to do it, uh, you know, people working a full-time job and all the other things that they do. Uh, you have to pick up each bird. It's pretty simple. The vaccination is, uh, is given with what we call a wing web stab. There's a, a small uh, plastic handle, very sharp, two-pronged applicator. Uh, which you will mix the vaccine and dip the applicator in the vaccine. You'll drag the side of that applicator across the lip of the bottle to take off the excess vaccine. You'll have pulled some feathers from the underside of the web of the wing, okay, and that's on the trailing edge uh, on the underside of the wing. Usually there's some uh, downy feathers there. You'll pull some out uh, about the size of a nickel in diameter, and you'll take that stabber and very quickly just push it right up through that uh, tissue there because uh, it's just a piece of skin. There's nothing there. Uh, there might be some very small capillary blood vessels, <clears throat> but you shouldn't run into any any bone, any meat, or anything like that. Um, if you're not sure, find the uh, the uh, wing web and examine it beforehand before you even start. But it's pretty simple. You go around and do that to every bird as quick as you can. you get about two hours uh, to do that with each bottle of vaccine. Uh, very simple. You'll come back in 10 days, and you'll look on that same wing and that same wing web spot, and you look for a take, and you'll see if it's <clears throat> taken properly, you'll see two scabs form, one over each of the prong holes that you made. So it's pretty simple, um, but it can be a, a devastating disease, especially if you have show birds. And uh, uh, my recommendation to people who live in those areas, uh, the, you know, the deep south, uh, along the coast, Alabama, Texas, uh, uh, all those places, Florida, uh, places in Georgia, so on, and, and, and other places, uh, you might consider, you know, vaccinating because once it gets on the comb of, of your best show birds, they're done. The judge doesn't care if you had pox, not at all. And, um, you know, bird would be, uh, you know, disqualified. So uh, uh, 
it's it's a tough call to make. Um, you know, if they're just birds for production, then maybe not so much. You know, uh, and again, it depends. Uh, if the birds are out of production and you're relying on them for income, and and you've got customers for eggs, uh, uh, you know. They're not going to be laying very many eggs during this this process, but they'll come back. They'll get over this, come back, be just fine. Um, hopefully, you won't lose any to it. Uh, and again, there are two forms: the dry form, which forms on the outside. Uh, it can very rarely be on the feet and legs, uh, but more likely on the comb, waddles, and face. Uh, the other would be the wet form, and we generally see that in the nostrils and on the tongue and inside the mouth, and that can be very painful uh, for birds. And uh, the best you can do with that too is put a light touch of uh, iodine on the uh, uh, on those sores as they uh, appear, and uh, hope for the best as far as that's concerned. But uh, if it's okay. just dry pox on the outside, not too bad. Good news. Okay. And if it has uh, and if you have any questions, uh, follow-up questions, uh, uh, Chicken Dr at First State Vet Supply dot com. Chicken Dr at First State at supply.com. Uh, Let me get over here to the switchboard. We've got uh, many folks that may just be hanging out just wanting to listen to the show, and that's perfectly fine. We're glad that you're joining us. Um, if you have called in and you are listening by phone, um, if you called in to ask a specific health question to Peter Brown, um, go ahead and press 1 on your phone. Uh, again, that lets me know that you are in caller queue and you do have a question. If you're just listening by phone, and you're just hanging out, absorbing all this great information, you don't have to do anything. We are glad you joined us. We are glad you're listening by phone. But again, if you do have a question for Peter you'd like to ask, don't be shy. Just press 1. That will let me you, let me know you want to uh, come on and have a question for Peter. And again, folks, the number is 347-637-3237. We'll head back over here to Facebook. Uh, the next question, I have really vague information. In fact, I had it typed out, Peter, where I said, Please be very specific with your question and age of the bird, breed of the bird, how long it's been going on. But then I thought it would just be overkill. You know, I, I wanted him to focus. Hey, Peter's going to be here, call, post your questions, and that was it. Because, uh, again, I, I post too much information, and it gets, just, just kind of gets flooded in there. Um, but uh, Ellen, uh, and we can kind of make do with, with what she asked. Um, we had chickens die from running droppings this summer. Uh, their behinds were inflamed. Uh, and, and, and I don't know what this means, but she says those were the black and white ones. I don't know if that means black and white droppings. I don't know if that means black and white birds. No clue on that section. But um, she had uh, she had chickens die from running, uh, runny uh, poop, runny droppings, and um, their behinds were very uh, inflamed. That, that's all I have. So we'll just assume, uh, we'll just take that and run with it and say, if a chicken owner out there listening today, um, has a, a chicken maybe with uh, real runny droppings. It's not summertime anymore because in the summer they do drink more, which may contribute to some more runny droppings. But now we're we're in fall and uh, headed into winter. And this was in the summer. Uh, she said this past summer she had runny droppings. So it's, it's kind of a, uh, a crapshoot here. But let's just, uh, your recommendations if someone is a poop inspector and they see that their chicken's um, poop just seems to be uh, more runny than it than it normally is, and it's, it's it's been a little while. What what would you suggest? Sorry, I don't have well, any more information. That's right. Kind of and, we'll, we'll make it into a question. <laughs> yeah, we, we can deal with it the best we can. Um, there was no mortality mentioned. 
Uh, yeah, it said uh, they had chickens die from runny droppings this summer, um, and their behinds uh, were inflamed. That's all okay. I've got. Okay. <clears throat> well, um, not a lot to go on, but a couple of things you have to mm-hmm. look at. Um, runny droppings can be caused by any number of, of, of things, um, and the color of the droppings can be anything from what the bird was eating uh, to what it wasn't eating. Uh, for instance, um, when the digestive system is is working, uh, it's adding bile and everything to the uh, to the intestinal tract to be mixed with the feed and so on. And when there isn't enough sufficient enough feed coming through uh, in the beginning, we start to see droppings sometimes that are darker. So um, you know, it would have been helpful if we had known, you know, how well the birds were eating and what kind of diet they were eating. Um, but uh, I can't, you know, put my finger on it on it specifically. But a mortality, um, she didn't mention any uh, respiratory issues, so uh, we'll assume for the moment that this is uh, strictly a gut issue. Um, one of the things that I do know is that um, with runny droppings that appear to be dark, um, sometimes. Uh, and I've only seen this uh, three or four times, maybe. Um, of course, don't forget, I don't get to see all of the stuff that I get to talk to people about either. Um, but I've only seen it <coughs> um, here uh, in the uh, lab when I was able to bring lab uh, birds from out of state into the lab here, um, where birds had capillary worms. And um, uh, when those worms <coughs> get... Um, uh, defecated out, they're kind of ground up, and um, they um, have a tendency because of their blood content um, make the uh, the dropping darker, and you don't always see the worms. So that that's a po- another possibility. The inflammation uh, in the in the cloaca uh, is, is another one. Um, didn't say male or female either. Uh, so then we could run off and we could say that the inflammation. Uh, Part of that could have been salpingitis, which is an inflammation of the oviduct. Um, so any one of those things, uh, you know, could certainly uh, lead up to it. Uh, doesn't appear to be a, a problem that I can see from what she's saying that uh, would be coccidiosis related, but certainly could be um, a, a worm issue, and it might be a multiple worm issue for all we know. She didn't give us a whole lot more information to go on. But this goes back again to, to my uh soapbox of, of uh, keeping that gut healthy and, uh, you know, to some degree, if you're letting them free range, you don't have a, a lot of choice uh, in uh, regulating what they have access to, what they eat. Uh, that's another issue that comes up quite often because we don't know what they're eating. And, um, you know, the old theory that if they ate it, it must be good for them, not so. I've seen a lot of people eat a lot of stupid stuff and wish they'd never ate it either. Um and chickens are quite the same. If um, if they get interested in something, or a bunch of them get interested in it, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for them, they may go ahead and eat it. And uh, yeah, we've seen that before. What was it? Was it a year or two ago? We had that one with the banana peel. <laughs> banana you know? peel. Yeah, we've had. We've even had um, uh, uh, poultry scientists that do necropsies on a regular basis, and they mm-hmm. say. Uh, we found screws. We found nails. We found, you know, uh, styrofoam. We found plastic. We found. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would, you know, I would recommend um, very strongly that 
you know, um, she didn't say the problem was continuing on either. Uh, so it's either alleviated itself, um, you know. Um, but I, I still would, you know, hard to say to recommend an antibiotic. But I'll tell you what, uh, I would I would seriously consider having my birds be uh, be put on oil of oregano on a regular basis uh, uh, in their drinking water, and it just has made so much uh, of a difference for a lot of people. The feedback that I'm getting from people. Um, you know that have that have purchased this product now that's been out there for a while is is really quite tremendous, and um, yeah, I couldn't be more pleased with the product. It's always nice to bring something to the marketplace that uh, that has a tremendous value to it. Uh, and uh, you know, here's another one. It's not on the same subject, but uh, I just took on this product called uh, Chick Flick. It's a uh, it's a betting. Uh, for lack of a better term, I guess a betting enhancer for those that uh, want to use deep litter and, and that kind of stuff. And um, it immediately takes the ammonia smeller away, and it's not that it covers it up. It binds with the agent that is in the chick flick and holds it so that the uh, the odor is, is, uh, is, is taken away uh, almost instantaneously. And uh, uh, my good friend Walt up in uh, uh, Connecticut, uh, he uses uh, uses it now as well. He purchased some here not too long ago, and he was quite impressed with it. And one of the other things, still on test, Dr. Bridget McRae has, has been running a test on it, and she's quite impressed herself. Um, and I have a lot of the the, um, the, the test data that the company has, has given me access to. And uh, it also lowers the pH of the, of the bedding, so it makes it tough for uh, pathogens to live there. And... Uh, so it's a win-win all the way around. So if you if you've got a chicken coop and you're in a cold area and you've got to keep uh, deep bedding and you've got a lot of birds and you, you can't keep cleaning out all the time either by cost or labor or just need that built-up litter, this is a tremendous product that is made for chickens. It's not one of these other products that masks it. Um, I know a lot of people are using some other products out there, but uh, I'm equally impressed with this thing at this point in time. Uh, you know it. it uh, it has really worked itself out to be a, a really good uh, product, and you know those kinds of things just you know kind of make me happy. Kind of like the sweet heaters, you know, uh, uh, when you put out a good product and, and have something out there that's really going to be beneficial. Uh, not that other products aren't, but everything is in different degrees. Some products are are good, some are a whole lot better than others, and these fall into that whole lot better than other category. Absolutely, and uh, like the uh, all of oregano. Uh, uh, make sure that you have uh, their firststatevetsupply.com dot com and uh, the success that a lot of your customers are having with that. Like you said, it's uh, it's pretty darn awesome. Um, oh man, I got tears running down my eyes and my face because I was I had to put myself on mute. I was laughing so hard. I, I knew I made the uh, mistake uh, with the keystroke um, almost immediately after I had posted it. But apparently, there's obviously with computers a delay before it corrects, and some people immediately saw the post when I made it. Uh, when we went live, but <laughs> it helped me to laugh because uh, initially, once we went live, I had posted a link of how to how to listen live and uh, come join us on my Facebook page, and I put live right now with the chicken doctor. Lick now to listen, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Where's the C? I was supposed to put click." 
licks now to listen with the leaks. Not licks now to listen. <laughs> had a couple of people post. They were laughing. They were like, that's funny. Lick, lick to listen. <laughs> so it says, I'm not going to lick. <laughs> I, posted, I posted, obviously made the correction after some of you saw my error. No matter, I wonder how many people are licking their screen to try to listen to the show right now. That's funny. <laughs> oh, but yeah, lick the link right there that's on your screen oh, to listen. Oh, jeez, these computers. Oh, craziness. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, you miss a keystroke and saw <laughs> heck breaks loose. That is okay, funny. Okay, let me get let me get back over here. That just caught me off guard. So I didn't think anybody would see it. I, I, I caught it immediately, but I guess there was some delay in uh, in switching over. So, okay, we've got here. Uh, um, Deanna's got a question for you. <clears throat> I went to my coop, and my three-year-old Rhode Island Red was dead. She was my healthiest girl. Now, um, I'm not going to pick on Deanna because we know that is a, that's a relative term, uh, depending mm-hmm. on what. What, who, who, who's you know, saying it, uh, but she says, uh, she claims, this was my healthiest girl. Uh, I have an eight-year-old hen that is raspy. Uh, I have deworm. I have medicated and nothing. Um, what is going on? I can't believe she died. No illness, no outdoor critters. Now, again, uh, long-time listeners of the show know uh, when we have folks post, and, and you know, if if, if I did this every time I saw someone on every single blogger forum say, oh, I have great healthy chicks, if I if I became an ass and started posting, really, when was the last time you had them tested for anything? Then, then yeah. nobody, no nobody would like me. And so so, but but that oftentimes when we're when um, we're on the show and we got Peter or poker scientist or Dr. McRae or anybody else for that matter, and we hear that, we know that's we we know that's a relative term because she may not have seen any signs of symptoms or anything. Uh, but that chicken may have had a, a multitude of chicken diseases we just don't know about, asymptomatic. And we know that chickens, especially in a flock, will do whatever they can to hide weakness and illness and injury because they know if it's found, they will get picked on, pecked on, they will lose pecking order, and, and it can lead to cannibalism. We know that. So, so again, to address uh, Deanna's question here, um, went to my coop. A three-year-old Rhode Island Red was dead. Uh, she was my healthiest, quote-unquote, girl. Uh, but she does have an eight-year-old hen that is raspy, maybe related, may not. Uh, she has wormed. Don't know with, with what, Doc, or how long ago. And she says she's medicated. We don't know with what or how long ago or what regimen uh, or dose or anything. Um, but she'd like to, a little bit of help from you. Well, um I do agree with your assessment of the fact that, um, you know, the bird that appeared to to her to be healthy. Um, I think um, uh, an an interesting term used by her that this bird was her healthiest, uh, indicating that there are others that are not healthy. At least that's the way I take it. Um, Uh And uh, so the bird ends up up dead. There's a multitude of things that that can cause that. uh, I, I I would say, you know, a three-year-old bird shouldn't die of a heart attack, but yet again, uh, we don't know what the feeding regimen was here. We don't know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, is this one, you know, a person that, uh, you know, uh, gives an overabundance of treats and, and that kind of thing. 
so pretty hard to speak to the one that's already dead. Um, uh, healthy bird is a relative term, uh, just like you said, and, and we'll, we'll just leave that mm-hmm. at that. We can't help that one. It's gone. Uh, the issue mm-hmm. with the one that's that's raspy now, um, some of the things that I, I would uh, start off doing, uh, number one is uh, you need to open the bird's mouth and you need to check and everywhere in the bird's mouth any what we call untoward growths, things that don't belong there. And I'm not talking about some feed specks that have worked their way into a spot and easily come out uh, once they're nudged out of the, the place where they're lodged. I'm talking about... Um, lesions that attach themselves to the tongue, uh, to the surface uh, mucosal tissue of the mouth anywhere, way down the back of the throat, over the glottis, around the glottis, and the cleft in the roof of the mouth, uh, and anything like that. What we're looking for is, is a disease called canker. It's pretty common out there. I see it a lot. And so we want to make sure and we want to rule that out um, as, as far as that's concerned. So if you've done that and you don't see anything uh, there, um, then we'll assume for the moment that, that that's not canker. Okay. Um, if the bird is is uh, is raspy, then we don't know what kind of medication to use. But we'll 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 go for a a, a, uh, a SWAT guess here, and that is that you probably use duramycin because it's the thing that people can get their hands on uh, uh, the, the quickest. Uh, the, the problem with duramycin, if you don't use a ton of it in in, in the water. Uh, it's not effective, uh, and that's not because the active ingredient tetracycline is not effective. It's the, not effective at the concentration that's there, uh, meaning it's a uh, uh, 6.4-ounce bag, 181.4 grams, but only 10 grams uh, of that are active ingredient tetracycline. So the problem with that is you put a teaspoon in thinking you put a lot in, which by your own mind and volume-wise you did, but when you look at how much actual antibiotic uh, was in the water, it's nil to none. Um, so she may want to go back and look at what she's done there or switch off and get another antibiotic, something along the lines of Thailand water-soluble uh, or something along the lines of uh, gallomycin powder, uh, both of which uh, Thai, Thailand water-soluble uh, has uh, gone script only, um, which means you need a prescription to buy it. And um, it's still around, and you'll find it around for a while yet till what's ever in the pipeline is uh, is diminished. Uh, the gallomycin uh, in another couple of weeks will take the same fate. Uh, January 1st, that goes script only too, and you'll have the same thing there. It'll be available for a while uh, till the uh, till the supplies that are in the, in the pipeline now uh, uh, run out. So those are two antibiotics that I would consider getting uh, and putting in the drinking water. And I would probably uh, medicate everybody, uh, figuring this generally most of these things start spreading uh, from bird to bird. Exactly what it is, unless you run some real tests on it, you'll never know. Um, You'll never know anything about that bird that died. I encourage people uh, to uh, get the poultry disease poster that I I sell. Um, You know, some of them have little tiny tears around the edges that mean nothing. they're not out in the middle or anywhere. They're never very large, but <clears throat> some of them are like that. And uh, for 15 bucks, you can't beat it with a stick, and it'll, you can teach yourself how to do uh, a post-mortem and how to uh, assess uh, what's wrong with the bird from the standpoint that in the middle of the poster, uh, it has a bird there with all the parts all, all laid out for you. 
uh, there's a number key. So you look at number one is this, and you look at down here, and they say number one's a liver or whatever it is, and you'll learn all the parts, where they belong, where they are, and what they look like healthy. On the perimeter of it uh, are all of the uh, poultry diseases, for the most part, uh, that you'll probably run into in your lifetime, uh, and what they look like so that you can take your bird that you're doing a post-mortem on and you can look at it and see if its organs, as you remove them from the bird, look as healthy as the ones of the bird that is healthy or do they look like something else around the edges, okay? And after a while, you're pretty good at this, matching up what you have with your bird that you're doing a post on and what you're seeing on, on the chart. So uh, they're available, uh, a great tool uh, for people to... Uh, to learn how to do this, because unless you learn how to do it, uh, you know you're never know, going to know what's going on in your flock. And I, I think it behooves you to, uh, you know, to know what's going on in your flock. But I'll add to that too, um, along with with the poster, so you'll have a visual concept of what's going on. Um, two years ago, actually, I think two years ago this month, or two years ago last month, it was two years ago. Um, we had uh, an amazing gentleman, he has since passed away, and I hated to hear it, from UC Davis out in California. On this show, it's archived, um, that from the time the show started to the time the show ended, he walked us through on the show, step-by-step, a necropsy. So you could utilize uh, the full-color poster that um, Peter has, 15 bucks, and, and give you the visual of what you're looking for, and then actually run the episode, run the archive show with the doctor uh, from UC Davis, going step-by-step how to do this, that, what he's looking for when he looks at this, that, and the other. It was an amazing show. Um, Very proud of it. Again, he was a great guy, and I hate to find out, surprisingly, when I sent him an email along with two other uh, poultry scientists uh, to reply to to that question I had. And um, that's the one who knew him said that he had passed and very unfortunate. But um, so that those those are two great tools um, for you to utilize. And of course, if if you just can't do it for whatever reason, you know, I'm too queasy or I could never do that, or then um, you can also see it as a state poultry lab near you, um, a poultry university, teaching university that that could do the necropsy or a poultry vet nearby. Uh, you, a lot of times you can mail the bird to, uh, to to them to do that. Um, just have to find out and see what they what they require. So great. I'm going to do one more question here, Peter. Then we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll come back. Okay. And I've just got about four or five more, but this will be a good one to uh, finish up and then go to uh, commercial break. Um, according to the vet, my chickens' poop showed roundworms, capillary worms, and tapeworms. I treated with strike three. Now, I personally have never heard of that, but. I treated with strike three and had a recheck at the vet three weeks after finishing the wormer, and he is still seeing worm activity. Visually, they improved greatly um, during the first treatment. Less watery poops, more active, but they still clinically have worms. Should I treat again with some different product besides the hygromycin B, um, my girls are in their enclosure all day except for the last couple of hours, which they free range in my backyard. I have a mixed flock from three and a half year old to twenty three week olds um and uh full size and 
and uh, and bantams. So it's kind of a, a good, like she says, a mixed flock uh, from 23 weeks old to uh, three and a half years old. And um, that's that is uh, her question um, for you. I can repeat it if you need to. Basically, she treated with strike three. Um, uh, had them checked. They saw capillary worms, tapeworms, and roundworms. Treated with strike three. Had them rechecked at the vet. Still shows some worm activity. Should she worm again with something else? Um, I think that's her main question. And what? Okay. You going to go to commercial first? Oh, I was going to answer. I was going to go through this one and answer it, and then go to commercial right after we finish this one. Yep. Oh, Just okay. Wanted to give you a heads up. Yep. After we oh, finish okay. this, right. we'll go to commercial. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. I, this uh, um, strike three is is a um, uh, wormer put out by Duravet, and it is um, hygromycin B is the active ingredient, uh, um, you know, in, in the in the product. Um, it should get um, most of of the worms, but it doesn't have a, a labeling for uh, tapeworms. So it'd be interesting to see um, if you know if they're getting um, the. Um, it should take care of. I think she. What did she say? Round worms, capillary worms, and tapes. Right. That's correct. Okay, so we know that the hygromycin has good activity against the capillary worms and against the round worms, but um, it does not, to my knowledge, uh, have activity against tapeworms. So it wouldn't surprise me that she's still seeing uh, you know, worms that are more than likely uh, tapeworms. So I, I would consider um, changing off to a different uh, wormer, and um, either one of the two that she could use, uh, she could use um, Valbazin, uh, which I happen to like better. Um, and um, you know, these are these are all wormers that are designed for other species other than chickens, and uh, but we've been using them for many years in chickens. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, probably safer than the hygromycin B, uh, as far as you know, the, the feed is concerned. Um, but at any rate, um, she's already been on the, the, the hygromycin, and you know she's not probably going to take care of the tapeworm portion of it. So I would suggest moving on to something else. Um, not that the hygromycin is a bad wormer at all. It's actually expensive to use because of the way it's packaged. Um, but um, you know, I would um, I would move on and 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 get another wormer and uh, uh, use the valbazin and see if they can't clear it up uh, with that. So it doesn't surprise me that she's still getting tapes. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. a product that, uh, to my knowledge, that has been a good tapeworm wormer. There weren't many very very good many tapeworm wormers uh, when we did have access to a lot of them. Um, the old wormall tablets were about the best there was, but they were harsh as all get out on the birds. Uh, it was not uncommon uh, to give a bird a uh, uh, a wormall tablet and then, uh, you know, have the bird come down with some, you know, very light intestinal bleeding, but still that's pretty harsh. 
and you know medication is generally not supposed to do that, but it did do that and did on many occasions. Uh, of course, they don't make them anymore. But uh, so that's the route I would take. Uh, I would go okay. back and get get the valves in, and um, you know uh, if she gets it from us. We do supply directions for putting it in the drinking water. Mm-hmm. Very good. Hey, thank you very much, folks. We're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply.com. We've got about six more questions that have been posted to our Facebook page. We will get to right after this short break. If you would like to ask Peter a question live on the air, you can dial 347 637 3237. That's 347 637 3237. Uh, and then when you do so, uh, press 1. We're instructed to do so by the automated uh, system. So uh, we will return with more Peter Brown, Chicken Doctor, right after this short break. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water. A dimension of poop-filled water. A dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water. The Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. 
Hand savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Here's a little uh, seasonal surprise for everyone. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I hadn't played much of that. 
even though it is December, so I thought I would uh, torture you guys a little bit with that. Uh, we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, joining us. You are back live now, Peter. Let me get over here, and we'll finish this uh, this segment up. Let's see. We've got, can you feed layer food to roosters? I was told it will give them kidney problems. I cannot afford to buy each bird their own special food. I would like to know the answer. So can you feed layer food to roosters? I sure hope so. I've been doing it for 20 years, and I haven't had any issues. But I kind of get someone may have said, well, too much calcium for the rooster because they're not utilizing it to make eggs, and it may damage their kidneys. What say you, Peter Brown? Well, it's a... <clears throat> kind of a mixed bag um <laughs> i i think i think and have no uh and i don't think anybody else does uh, have a methodology to prove this i've never seen any um uh, research work uh that, that i've seen anyway uh, to say that this is absolutely true um might it happen in some of the smaller breeds or different breeds that do not produce uh, a lot of eggs um, so that the uh, you know the cat and you know small bone birds what I mean by small let me back up a step one of the reasons that 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 modern day um, commercial type egg laying birds uh, are not able to to fly so easily as as the wild jungle fowl is because of the fact that uh, their bone density is greater uh, and they've been bred that way because they need the calcium in their bones to lay down eggshell so um, they need more uh, you know they need bones that are that are thicker and, and, and more dense so birds that don't produce as much, you know, I could see a rooster probably having a problem like that. Um, uh, I don't believe. Um, I, I know in the in the commercial poultry industry, as far as their breeders are concerned, um, they may they may exclude their males from feeders that the females have access to. Um, and part of it's to keep them from oh, being overweight, uh, more so than it is to keep them from getting uh, the calcium that's in the layer feed versus a possibly lower calcium, uh, uh, you know, diet the other way around. I don't know of anybody uh, that has uh, split the feed that way, and I've been dealing with a lot of people uh, in the fancy and otherwise for many years. Uh, is it possible? Sure. Um, you know, you get a bird that um, has got other issues, um, and uh, you know you have to ask: Was it the feed that made the bird have a problem with uh, uh, excess calcium in in the uh, the kidneys, or was it a disease entity that would cause it? Bronchitis would certainly cause it. Uh, gout would cause it. Um, so you, know, you have to ask some of the other questions, and, and those aren't always readily available when people have birds that were, um, uh, you know, taken to the laboratory because, uh, you know, people don't always give all the information whether they want to or they don't want to or whatever. I had a bird here um, just recently that I got some information um, 
and uh, the person is a very good friend of mine uh, and uh, takes extremely good care of the birds and everything else. But, you know, the, these particular birds she has, when they get out about five years of age, uh, they start having issues. And, um, you know, this particular bird had um, several bones missing, okay? And uh, this was uh, uh, the... Uh, Three of the bones and the and the back end of the bird, uh, beginning with the pubic bone, on one side was was missing. Um, this bird had been alive for a long time, you know. So it's not like it just started yesterday. Uh, you know, this bird was, uh, I believe, right around five years old. So it evidently wasn't affecting the bird as far as that was concerned. But there was uh, salpingitis, which is an infection of the oviduct. Didn't seem to bother the bird. Hadn't been laying in quite some time. There was some uh, uh, some uh, uh, egg yolk material uh, uh, that was uh, solidified in the oviduct, but you know, no big deal. Bird was going on. This bird was happy every day, uh, eating and drinking and uh, interacting with pen mates and everything else. Um, and uh, it also had a severe case of uh, of gout, uh, both the visceral and the articular, which means in the joints and in, in the body organs. So uh, hard to say. You know, hard to say. I, I some long way around. I don't think it makes a hill of beans one way or another. Um, and I wouldn't go out of my way to uh, uh, to do that. We've got a, a mixed flock here, uh, mostly roosters eating laying feed. And um, any of them that have that have passed here since they've been here in the last two years uh, has not been kidney related. It's just been things that cannot be fixed and come with the, the age of a flock of birds that are approaching uh, the majority of them, seven, eight, nine years old, you know. So, and these, God only knows these characters here get the best of care that there is. I mean, it just, it, and like I said, uh, many times before on the show, we don't, we don't medicate, supplement, do a whole lot of things uh, extra because we don't feel it's necessary. They're just a happy group of guys and gals hanging out out there. So... <laughs> My my interpretation of it is no, I don't think so. Okay, thank you very much. I don't I don't see it. I've not seen the evidence of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I've got time for two more, and I love this question. We're going to cover this one, and then one more about mice and lice, and we'll wrap it up. Um, Shauna wants to know: Is it dangerous for a chicken to go broody too often, especially a Japanese bantam? I have one that keeps finding new places to lay eggs and go broody until I find her. How should I handle this? And and um, I w- initially, if uh, well, I knew why I speed her, I said I think the I don't know if I'd use the word dangerous, but I know uh, concern would be uh, not getting enough nutrition and uh, hydration, uh, water and feed because they're spending so much time on the nest all the time. Whether, again, I know you're collecting the eggs, there's no eggs, she's still in the nest box, she's still finding that place to hump her down, and, and she's, you know, maybe it does have some eggs, she gets off, you know, once a day to get a little water, maybe once a day to water. So, uh, and we've seen it, we've heard it on the show, where yeah. the uh, the health of the bird is deteriorating because they are broody all the time and not getting the proper nutrition and hydration they need, so I think that's where it comes. If you want to use the word dangerous, so I guess that's that's acceptable, but... Um, uh, she wants to know, is it, is it dangerous, um, and how can it be? And then maybe some ways to try to eliminate this natural process of these hens, especially these bantams like the silkies and the saramas that are good mamas, that's what they're not, and, and like to be broody all the time. 
Yeah, and it is a genetic uh, thing. It is uh, a, a genetic response, um, and it's going to be very difficult for her to, um, uh, you know, break this bird or this habit. I think, uh, you know, this is not something that you're going to put a bird in a uh, uh, in a box with a uh, uh, screen bottom so they can get cold and, and that kind of thing. I, I don't think it's going to work very well for this bird, but she could try it. My thing would be, um, uh, and this is an unfortunate thing, and coming into the winter months she might have more success with it, uh, but I would, um, I would, if I had the opportunity, I think I would uh, put this bird away early, decrease her day length dramatically to make her stop laying, uh, and don't give her the opportunity to go sit on somebody else's eggs. So this might uh, this might mean taking this particular bird and penning her up by herself for a little bit. Uh, some people don't like to do that. They feel it's cruel and everything else. But uh, I do agree with the alternative part of this thing uh, as far as uh, it being a health-related problem from the standpoint of... Uh, uh, the birds I've seen birds, you know, be, become emaciated, basically uh, lose all their breast and everything else because they just have that desire to sit right on those eggs, um, and they don't want to get up off that uh, off that nest for for nothing. Um, I guess you could feed her right there at the nest too, but I think some way, shape, or form, you have to try to get her to uh, to realize that this is not a good thing. And one of the ways of doing that uh, would be to uh, uh, decrease her day length down to about eight hours, and that would mean putting her in a dark out box uh, um, and anything after eight hours. It has to be really dark. Give her food and water, but just uh, just put her in that dark out box and see if you can get her to stop laying altogether. And then uh, turn her back out once she stops laying and see if you know, you've uh, managed to uh, gain control. But it is a very strong genetic urge to to uh, to, to sit on uh, on eggs, um, and uh, at, at all times of the year too. A lot of people think they they said they oh well it's it's the springtime you know I, they, chickens know not to raise baby chicks in the in the bitter cold. But a lot of people who live up north in the bitter cold are having you know, have this issue. You know, they're going broody all the time. It's the middle of winter time. And uh, folks, you know, they say, oh, they just go broody in the spring. It's a natural time to lay and have chicks because the weather's nice and things. But uh, I've seen many a bitty uh, underneath hens in uh, February when it's 12 degrees. And, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I, so you know, I think I think it's just it's just one of those things. And, and uh, you know, those those, those habits are, are hard to break. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and as birds get older, like the ones here, a couple of the females, uh, especially the the, uh, the nankins, um, when they were younger, um, they would share sitting on a nest. Okay, I mean, you know, one egg, two or three of them pumped up in the in the, in the nest box, just jam packed in there. You think they're going to kill each other? They're not fighting over it. They're just three of them just lumped up in there, sitting on an egg, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you run them out of there and and. Uh, and uh, you know, hope they don't keep, come right back to it. And but uh, they're 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 an odd group, uh, and these birds happen to be good good mamas, and they they will sit on the, on an egg if you give them the opportunity to. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with this. I had two folks uh, today uh, on the Facebook page ask about uh, mites and lice. One just is, you know, what do you recommend for a general um, application to rid my birds of 
uh, lice and mites. And then there's this one from Alfred who says, is it possible to treat poultry with ivermectin to kill lice on the bird only, then to actually treat the coop with other insecticide? Um, would you be willing to recommend a liquid insecticide for the coop or a liquid dip for the birds? And so uh, we're talking about my, uh, mice, mice, mites and lice. And a lot of times I'll say mice and lights. But uh, <laughs> I do it when I'm doing my presentation. Mice and lights we're going to talk about today. Um, but, uh, yes, mites and lice on the birds and uh, just uh, what you would recommend, those, how to go about it, and we'll wrap up the show. Okay. Um, as far as the ivermectin is concerned, there is a poron uh, product uh, that they could put a uh, – I don't know the dosage of it because I'm not a big ivermectin fan, so I've never um, delved into that part of it. Um, they could take, if they wanted to, they could take the uh, uh, the 1% ivermectin injectable, and it does work if you take a, uh, a syringe, take the needle off of it, and just put a drop down the bird's throat. <coughs> uh, that works. Uh, they really don't need much more than a drop. It uh, should be very sufficient as far as, uh, as that is concerned. Uh, the person has to be aware of the fact that there's a lot of resistance around to ivermectin and other uh, insecticides. Um, so I need to bear that in mind. Um, by all means, um, uh, get on a rotational program and don't use the same uh, insecticide program uh, day in and day out. Uh, there is a, uh, this just is asking for trouble. Uh, the research is there to prove such. Uh, every uh, almost every uh, effective uh, insecticide that comes down the pike uh, ends up being resistant after just a few years uh, of use out, out in the field. And one of the reasons for that is that people get it and it works and they keep using it and using it and using it and, uh, until it wears out, more or less. So um, looking at a liquid, uh, I would rotate two liquids around, uh, and one of those would be, 10% uh, permethrin. Uh, you can use it on the premise itself. You can use it as a dip on the birds. Um, I'm a fan of getting control uh, of the situation. So if you, because if you don't get control of it, you're wasting your time. This is kind of like doing the dog. You take the dog and you, you you take them down to the to the to the pet store or whatever, and they groomer and they they uh, they groom the dog and they do a great job on it. Put a little scarf on him and perfume and stuff, and he's he feels great, he looks good, and you put him back in the same kennel with all the fleas, and, and uh, three or four days afterward he's uh, got fleas all over him again. He's scratching, scratching and, and, and itching and stuff. Same principle here. If you don't do the coop and the birds at the same time uh, and then keep after it, uh, they just come back and they really start their little party all over again. And, and uh, uh, you come back and use the same insecticide, they go away, and then first thing you know, less and less of them go away, more and more of them are staying, and first thing you know, uh, this stuff doesn't work at all. Uh, if you read the directions for any uh, insecticidal product, it'll tell you right in there that this is only part of a rotational program. So, but nobody ever reads that part. All they read is the directions how to use it because they want to get rid of what they've got. And I get that, and I understand that. But therein lies lies the problem. Uh, as with most things that have directions, we don't always want uh, to read them. Uh, I've been guilty of it in the past, you know, putting toys together or a bookcase. I was about to oh, say, I got this, the, you know. tis the season, Christmas Eve. <laughs> we don't need no stinking directions. 
you know, we've all been there. I, I've done that. I've learned my lessons over the years, and, and uh, uh, I'm one of those people now that give me the directions. I'll sit here and read them, and I'll figure out how to get this thing together, and we'll go with it from there. So this is the same process, okay? Uh, the other rotational uh, insecticide I would highly recommend and uh, is uh, one called Spinosad. Uh, well, that's the active ingredient. The product itself is called Elector. And one of the reasons that I recommend this, uh, number one, it's new. Number two, it's uh, designed to be used for, for chickens as well as other uh, species. Uh, those that use a product on their dogs called Comfortis would know it because that's what this is. This is the active ingredient called Spinosad. It is extremely safe. It has no egg withdrawal time. You can spray it on the birds with the birds present. In other words, you don't have to move everybody outside and spray. You could spray the coop uh, with the birds in it without uh, any detrimental effect. Certainly, if you've got eggs that you're going to eat from that coop, you'd want to pick those up. That's always recommended no matter what you do. So, and the nice thing about this is this particular product, the Electra product, uh, the receptor sites on the insects that this attacks are different than the ones that the permethrin and the frontline and all of the others uh, attack. So what that means is that this one is less likely to build resistance as quickly because it's not going to go into the same receptor sites as do the others which are already building great resistance. So this one might be around for a little bit longer if people get smart and use it as part of a rotational program. Okay, So if you want to use uh, Frontline one time, uh, the, the Elector one time, and you want to use the Permethrin one time, and you want to uh, uh, use the uh, Ivermectin one time, you have a great arsenal of things to keep rotating around, and less likely that you will encounter uh, a problem with uh, uh, insecticidal uh, resistance. But it's, uh, it's bound to happen one way or another with most products, but the, the uh, Elector product is giving us a lot of promise and uh, I've sold a fair amount of it so far, and those people that uh, have purchased it have been happy with it, to my knowledge. So used in a, okay. in a good, you know, good solid program works well. Last, uh, real short, uh, kind of yes or no question. Dee wants to know, uh, she did hear us talking about some meds. We'll be going to prescription only. Uh, will the Thailand 200 injectable be one of those that will be prescription only in the future? Not to my knowledge. Um mm-hmm. But uh, the Thailand water-soluble, uh, they've tried to control the Thailand water-soluble many, 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 many times over the years. And um, uh, this, I guess, is their last-ditch effort to uh, to do that. And um, it's, um, But, yeah, it, it already has, but there's a lot of it around. And once all of that is, uh, is gone, I'm sure they will change the label as well. Um, and then, you know, then when it goes script, couple things happen. The label changes and the price changes, so uh, you can look to pay more for it uh, uh, as far as that's concerned. And uh, But cool. the injectables, to my knowledge, are still going to be available. It's just the water-soluble that they're after. Awesome. Very good. The Christmas chick was giving me a hard time in the chat room because of the earlier uh, uh, post on Facebook where it says, uh, lit here to listen. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so, so, so she just she combined all of it together today and put Lick here to listen to mice and lights. <laughs> so, uh, and I want to tell there were a few folks, maybe three, that posted about respiratory issues, uh, sneezing, coughing, runny nose, runny eye, that type of thing. Um, we're out of time, but um, just two or three episodes ago, if you go to blogtalkradio.com, 
forward slash backyard poultry. And I uh, look for the, the last two or three, and it will be labeled, uh, the last two or three shows that we did with uh, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, where we spent like the whole show talking about that that, that scenario of, okay, uh, how do I deal with the respiratory problems or the runny eye or the sneezing, the coughing, the, the snout and drainage, you know, different, different things like that. So um, since we've kind of ran out of time and we just, just covered that within the last three uh, episodes, so you can... Uh, find that over on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Awesome show, Peter. We appreciate you coming on. It's Peter Brown, the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Um, visit him online, firststatevetsupply.com, and his email if you have any follow-ups. If we answered your question or asked your question, you have a little, need a little bit more information, chickendr at firststatevetsupply.com. <laughs> and while you're over there, Take a look at the uh, awesome probiotic that they have designed for poultry. Uh, ditch the yogurt cups from Walmart and get some <laughs> good probiotics that will actually help them. Um, and then, of course, the, uh, uh, the emergency medicine kit. You know, a lot of you have a first aid kit, uh, but it's an emergency medicine kit. You will find it nowhere else. And the solution here with that is instead of buying a big $50 bottle of one medication that if you don't have to use it is a good thing, but it will expire. This is a little kit with many different smaller vials and doses of, of um, uh, medication. So um, you can immediately start treating your birds because you already have it on hand. You don't have to wait for shipping. You don't have to wait for the mailman to deliver it. You can start treating it and then order what you need, and then you don't have a $50 bottle or a multitude of $50 bottle of medications expiring on you because you didn't use it. That's a good thing, I guess, but um, that you didn't have to use it. <clears throat> but it can cost your wallet. It's an emergency medicine kit is something you want to look for when you get over there. And, of course, the poster we talked about, 15 bucks, um, great, great tool if you really want to get into trying to uh, take a look at uh, your chicken, what may have happened, and illness, and trying to uh, figure out some things on your own. Peter, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, I seriously doubt we'll do a show next Monday being Christmas week. We may, but I will I will let you know off the air uh, later in the week if we will do that. So thank you very much. If we don't have you back on, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy New Year, all that kind of good stuff uh, to you, my friend. We thank you very much for providing the service to all of our wonderful listeners here on Backyard Poultry. We appreciate it. Sure. Same to everybody, yourself included and family. I watch you on Facebook quite a bit. Don't always <laughs> reply, but it's uh, oh yes. It's it's fun. Cool beans. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, instead of ending with our uh, theme song, we'll end uh, the show with a, a few more uh, lively little hits from our special uh, little uh, chicken folks over here. All right, we have a we have a chicken choir that we travel with around the country. So uh, we'll do a couple of more of these. And I hope you have a a wonderful week. We I know we'll be back on Thursday with uh, poultry scientist professor Dr. McCray, and uh, we may pull something out of a hat for tomorrow and uh, Wednesday. So uh, God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show.
Bye. 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 Bye.